The point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy. Who is good? Hashtag glue guy. Hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Holik to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is... Rangers fans, welcome to the best Rangers podcast in town. I am Andrew Chelney alongside Nick Zararis, and we are Liberty Blue. We scream about the New York Rangers so that you can save your voice. That's how deeply we care about you. We appreciate that you've come along with us and joined us for the ride. This is episode 19. We are live on Twitch. We'll put the full video up on our YouTube, Liberty Blue Podcast, and the audio version will be up on Apple Music and Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast as well. Search Liberty Blue on your favorite podcast platform, and it should be there. At Liberty Blue Pod on Twitter and Instagram, give the show also, very important, that shiny and illustrious five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to us. It helps the show more than you think it does. I am at Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y Andrew, and that is Nick Zararis, Nick Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. These are our personal Twitter handles to follow as well. Nick, we watched three Rangers games this week, and uh, all I have to say is, oh boy, oh boy. Okay, so let's start with the not-so-bad. Underlyingly, they're not playing horrendously, which is weird considering they basically only have two lines who are generating offense right now. We talked about before the season, objectively, abstractly, that if the fourth line with Reeves, Carpenter, Blay, whoever, is just a net zero, like nothing happens when they're on the ice, we'll take that. And up until the game against Columbus, they had that. They're still, for the year, close to 50% in most of the key metrics. That's fine. The third line, we thought was going to be a little bit better than this, but Kedel injury we'll talk about a little bit more. That's going to be basically a second, fourth line now with the personnel they have. That's going to be an issue, but... The scores are misleading. We talked about this um, last week when we were talking about the game against the Jets where 4-1 to one sounds pretty ugly. I mean, you think about losing 5-1 to one to Columbus and then lo- losing it overtime to San Jose. Those games, play-wise, I didn't think the Rangers played particularly bad other than Halak yesterday. Halak mm. was pretty awful. But yeah. other than that, the team in front of him, I mean – they had a reasonable chance to win. I, I, they were getting chances. Maybe, you know, you need those chances to go in, but they didn't play horrendously. And this is what you talked about last week in the last segment of the show was, this is the best hockey league in the world. There are no easy games. There are no gimmies. If you think you can just show up and beat a team, you're going to lose. And that's what happened against San Jose. There, on no planet should San Jose be playing the Rangers to basically a push, which is what that game was when you look at the underlying numbers. But they expected to win that game, and they kept waiting for something to happen, and suddenly they were in overtime, and they ended up with an L they probably shouldn't have. Sunday, their backup goalie laid an egg. I mean, that it happens. It, 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 it happens. It's hockey. I also saw people on Twitter... Uh, as well, last night after watching Columbus scored a couple of really easy goals. Oh, well, Georgia would have had those. No, he wouldn't have. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here. Every time, maybe he would have had a couple of the, uh, a couple of those gimmies that should never have went in. But every time, at least from my point of view, whenever Georgiev was a net for the Rangers, every single shot that, that came his way, I, I was worried that it was going to be in the back of the net. So at least like with Halak, yeah, I mean, he didn't have a great performance uh, in his second game. But in the first game, I think it was against Winnipeg, like he played yeah. very well. It's not a, you know, I, I still have more confidence in Yaro Halak than I do with Georgiev. But we talked about it last week. With There are no easy games in the NHL. And it's a lot easier to lose in February when you have a lot of the wins stockpiled from October. And when you are a good team, you stockpile wins as early as you can so that later on in the season, you can do injury management and you can sit guys out and you can do all these things so that everybody is fresh come playoff time. The Rangers failed twice this week. And they almost failed against Anaheim too. They dominated the whole period until they didn't. 
And it, it was it should never have been six to four. That that game was a lot closer than it should have been. The Rangers dominated for long stretches of that game until Anaheim decided, oh, yeah, we're we're a hockey team, too. And then they figured out, hey, let's play some hockey and, and we're going to get back in and, win the, and we're going to score and we're going to do back and forth. The Rangers should never have allowed the Ducks to score four goals. Rangers legend Frank Vetrano scored a goal for them as well. And then you get to San Jose and, and they just for they just they just decided not to play like i don't know what happened to them in that third period they they just they just thought that oh panarin's gonna just waltz in and score a goal and then that'll be game and who cares whatever they got dumpstered in that third period and they deserve to get dumpstered because they look like they didn't want to be there in that third period and then against columbus as well they played the whole game as if like as if they're just playing beer league. I don't understand what was going on in that Columbus game where they had stretches of applied pressure and all these things, but they only mustered a goal barely on a five on three. That's it against a Columbus team that gave up, I think at least three goals every game before that. That's, that's all you could do. They look like they didn't want to be there. And that's a joke. So let's start one last thing on the big picture. And then we'll start going game by game. I I mentioned it before and I wrote it down. So I mean, 11th in chances, 3rd in chances against, 17th in goals for, 26th in goals against. That tells you the goaltending hasn't been that great so far. Expected goals, 9th, 11th in expected goals against, 9th in high danger, 21st in high danger against. And then these are the two key ones for the Rangers. Everybody who remembers how the team played last year, 20th in shooting, 28th in save percentage at five on five. Those will get better. That, that's how you know. Um, that's why I'm not particularly worried about the Rangers, at least yet, is those will get better. It, Igor hasn't been outstanding aside from, I'd say his, his start wasn't awful, but he's got to be a little bit better. He hasn't been as good as he was last year. I mean, it's going to be pretty hard to do that. But, you know, 85% of that, he hasn't done that yet. The shooting, that'll get better with time. They haven't been a great, five-on-five team in a while, but the fact that they're generating offense at five-on-five is translating to the underlying numbers, it'll come. I'm still not worried yet. There's, unless you get one more injury, then you actually have to start getting worried because they're out of bodies at that point. They literally do not have anybody else to play. I mean, we're going to be talking about next week, this next game tomorrow against Colorado, where you're going to have VZ drawing back in and you're going to have to call somebody up to be the 13th forward because they do not have anyone else. Although that should maybe be Gustav Rydal. He looked pretty okay in preseason. He looked like somebody who could jump up and just play minutes for this team. So, and they, and Hedl is a center and so is Rydal. So I think, I think he'll be called up uh, at some point, either, you know, tomorrow morning or what have you. He, I I think he's going to, I mean, I, I would I would hope because I don't really know who else you'd call up in that situation. But yeah, I mean, it, it's not panic time just yet. Yeah. Obviously, we're six games into the season. But like, like we talked about, it's a lot easier to stomach a bad loss in December or February or whatever when you win games that you're supposed to win. If you win against the Sharks, if you win against the Blue Jackets, games that you are the easy, the easy favorite in and you show up and you just take care of business, then it's a lot easier to come, you know, April April 2nd against what against whoever sit out everybody on the team and take a loss because it doesn't matter because you've already secured your spot you you want people to get healthy you want people to just get a little bit more time and then off you are for the playoffs when you lose these games it's a lot harder to do that because you have to put in that much more intensity and and you have more pressure on you come later in the season when you know oh if we just won that one game in October we we didn't have to do this but we have to do it now because we lost against the Sharks and we lost against the Blue Jackets. Points are points no matter when during the season you get them and the the more you stockpile them early on, the easier life becomes later and the Rangers so far have not been doing that. So math-wise, you generally need about 98 standings points 
in the East to make the playoffs. That's what I think the last team in last year was like 96, 97, somewhere in there. You start worrying about the math a little bit later on, but like Andrew just said, you're missing gimmies here to go to OT against San Jose. That's just, that was such a frustrating third period where you're getting four checked into oblivion by a San Jose team. That was the worst defensive team in the league going into that game. I know we talked about it on last week's show that the sharks threw the four games. I think they played to that point had conceded the most scoring chances against in the entire league and then in this game and we're going to talk about that game a little bit more specifically to only generate you know 28 scoring chances and only like five or six good ones when i'm keeping a log of just how many quality scoring chances like when i'm doing actual masquerading as a sports journalist and cover (laughs) writing down notes of the game as i'm watching the game and just keeping track of if you're only generating like four oh chance at player x this time from this spot that's not good. San Jose has no defenseman. Uh, Eric Carlson, no. I will say, Eric Carlson did play well on Thursday. Sure. He played pretty well against the Devils on Saturday, but that's one defenseman. Uh, uh, one guy should not be flummoxing an entire team. It, it, these are games that the Rangers have to win. If you, yes. Because the good teams beat the bad teams. If, you, yeah. if a, a team cannot reach 50 wins in a season unless you beat everybody that comes your way. You can't just beat good teams because you play bad teams. And if you play and if you whip, beat good teams and you lose against bad teams, guess what? You're a middling team. So, you have to win as many games as possible, especially these these ones that should give you the most amount of points because like if uh, tomorrow right against the Avalanche, uh, I, I mean, hockey is weird, so I guess like the Rangers could just walk in and and score eight goals and and win the game, but like it would be wild if they lost at home to San Jose, lost at home to Columbus, and then Colorado comes to town, the Stanley Cup champions, and the Rangers just suddenly be like, oh yeah, we're we're the Rangers here, and we're going to score eight goals against Francois or Georgiev, which is possible because those goals aren't very good, but like the the, the Avs are, are such a dominant team that they could mask a lot of those goalie issues that they have, and they, you know, that won't get any better until they maybe acquire a different goalie, but for for the Rangers, like you need to win these teams. Like, you need to win these games. You you can't yeah. just come in, beat Colorado, and say, "Oh, we're a playoff team because we beat Colorado." No, well, you're not going to get in. You have to get points in other ways as well. The points are the same no matter which team you play, whether it be Colorado, uh, San Jose, Chicago, or whoever. Two points is two points, and if you're not getting them against bad teams, it's going to be that much harder to to get them against good teams. All right, so let's go into the first game, the one on from last Monday against Anaheim. I pulled up just – this is just the Rangers on offense. So these are just – I'm not worried as much about the value, the 3.2 on 46. It's more about just where the chances are coming from. That's typically what I look for on these heat maps, whatever website you prefer. This is from um, HockeyViz.com. Um, Evolving Wild does a version of this. Money Puck does a version of this. Natural Statric does a version of this. This is just the easiest one to translate visually. But you see the concentration of chances coming from that middle, that dangerous area. That's generally where you want to shoot from. Against the Ducks, the Rangers control play at five on five. They needed to score on their power play to win that game. And Andrew had said it before. That game was a lot closer than it should have been. Anaheim is a poor defensive team. We talked about that on last Monday's show, that they had conceded 11 goals in two games, and the Rangers did hang a six spot on them. That is a good thing. This was The Yankees were kind enough to have this and Monday Night Football on the scoreboard during the two-and-a-half-hour rain delay on Monday. So I was actually able to watch a decent chunk of this game. I, I felt like the Rangers did what they needed to do on Monday, and then we're like, okay, we can just do that again on Thursday. That's kind of how it feels like, at least from just looking out. Of course, that's a fan's perspective. You can probably get a little more nuanced. And when we talk about San Jose in a minute, I'm gonna look, I'm gonna pull up from my notes here and reference something specifically. But they took care of business. It, that's the kind of consistency you need to find. It's not just enough to be a good team, you need to be good consistently. The Rangers scored six against Anaheim. And again, we're not in the locker room. And obviously, it's easier to say this as people that aren't on the team than people that are on the team or people that are close to the locker room. But it kind of just felt like from an outsider, from an outsider's perspective that, oh, we scored six goals against we're the good. bad. Uh, we're good. We're fine. We're fine. We can score six against Anaheim. We could do it against San Jose. They're, they're also bad defensively. We could do the same exact thing, have just, just walk in, score whatever we want, and the game is ours. 
Well, clearly that didn't work out, did it? Like that's that's the kind of mentality that losing organizations have. And again, I, that's probably not the mentality that they had, but that's how they played alike. And that is is that's that's what matters here. That like that's the nuance here that I that I want to point out here that they might not have thought that way when they got into MSG and when they suited up and started playing the game, they might not have thought this would have been a gimme game, but that's how they played. Like the game was going to come to them. They were just going to score at will. And that's the end of the game. We're get, they're going to get two points and we're going to go home happy campers. But they, 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 they didn't play like they, they were hungry to win a hockey game and San Jose and also Columbus, as we'll get to later, felt that. And they, pretty much right up to score and it was like you're not going to win a whole lot of hockey games having that kind of mentality yeah uh the san jose game is a little bit different because san jose really did a good job against the rangers the rangers really didn't get anything going i mean 34 scoring chances a handful of good ones and the good ones they had they missed the net for the most part not for this is not a particularly juicy shot map the rangers aren't in good areas here a lot of chances from poor areas i mean you look at where the panarin and the heedle goals are those are really good scoring chances at five on five you wouldn't anticipate shots from that angle going in the one the one that sticks out is the truba post i mean a team with a little bit better luck that's a goal you win this game in regulation and you laugh about uh san jose almost beat us haha david quinn's a bad coach but you didn't get the bounce that that's what happens sometimes and we talked about this coming into the season you can't get lucky all the time. Last year's Rangers team got a crazy shooting bender. They got a God playing goalie and that worked. It's very hard to repeat that formula. The, the shooting percentage gods will not always smile upon you. Now th the Rangers are not going to finish 21st in shooting percentage. They have too many guys who are too good of shooters. Zabinijad in particular, Kreider has been really cold shooting wise to start the year. He won't be 50-goal guy, but Kreider should hit 30 with relative ease just because of the volume of chances he's getting. But San Jose kind of stuck it to the Rangers. They grinded that game out. In that third period, whenever the Rangers would have a gather behind their own net, there was a San Jose four-checker in there speeding up the process of trying to break out. There was nowhere in particular to go once the Rangers broke out. It was a real slog, especially in that third period, like you mentioned, for them to get anything going. And this is in a tie game where, like, you know, they need to score. Uh, it's interesting to me, the dynamics of the locker room, because Gerard Gallant, after the San Jose game, was yeah. uh, was obviously very angry about how the Rangers played, especially in that third period against San Jose, where like they just they got nothing going. San Jose pretty much skated circles around the team, and ultimately the San Jose Sharks went in overtime. Gerard Gallant was very vocal about how trash they played and how this essentially won't happen again. And then they hosted Columbus two days later and played just as bad, but for the whole game. I, like That is interesting to me. What happened in the locker room from Thursday post-game to Sunday? What happened in between those two games that is that Gerard like Gerard Gallant was was visibly vote he was vocal he was upset he was like you know this can't happen again like all these things we're gonna fix it we're gonna do we're gonna do whatever it takes and then they get to Sunday and then they play exactly the same way I, I that is I don't I don't know if that's worrying or like I, I don't I don't know if I want to get there yet but it is still something to to keep in mind because you would think that with a, a head coach that is that irate about how his team played in front of him, that they would at least get off to a better start against Columbus or just not play the way they did the whole 60 minutes against that team. But they did. And just it's, it's something to keep in the back of your mind and just watch how that team plays as the season goes along after a bad loss. So far... I'm not, uh, it's, it's, it's not very confidence inducing. Of course, we're still six games in whatever it's still October, but it's just something to keep in the back of your mind as we watch this season. 
So I want to amend something you said. This is not like a conscious effort amongst the guys in the locker room to be like, do you guys want to fuck around today and see if you can still win? <laughs> sure. This, I, is a, this is a subconscious thing. Of course. This is not an actively deciding, all right, let's put 80% effort into it. <laughs> this is a subconscious decision. Pe- people are nuanced and layered. And I, I always try and be specific about when we talk about things like that, because playing armchair psychologist is difficult. There's a reason they don't let people do this about politicians anymore. You can't know what's going on in another person's head. And even if they tell you what's going on in their head, they might not be telling the truth. It might be something subconscious. There's layers to all of this. People are complicated. When you have 18 people and a goalie, you're adding more factors to the complication, the complicated nature of this. There's, there's a lot of moving parts in a hockey team and just wanted to put that out there. Just, just to be sure we're covering our bases here. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's the same so, way. It's the same way. Like whenever we say, Oh, player X is bad. It's yes. not, it's not like we're talking about them as a person. And yeah, I make yeah. sure I say this frequently whenever we yes. talk about somebody specifically as well. Right. Like we, we, don't like the way Lieber High plays the game of hockey. We we don't we don't think he's a very good hockey player. But we're not talking about him as a person. This is not this is not meant as a personal attack to the to the guy. I, I got nothing. I got nothing wrong. I got nothing bad to say about him in particular as a human being. Just the way he plays the uh, game of hockey. Uh, not going to do something at the NHL level. It's the same thing here. It's like. I would imagine that the the Rangers aren't sitting around, you know, playing ping pong before the game or whatever and saying, you know what? Ah, we'll just give 60% of effort today. We're going to beat these guys easy. I'm sure that's not conversations that were had in the locker room beforehand, but once they got onto the ice, that's how they played. So I, it's an important distinction to be made, but it's, it's just one thing to keep in mind as we move along here is they, they played that way in the third period and also overtime against San Jose. The coach wasn't happy. Changes were supposedly made, and then they came on, onto the ice on Sunday and played the exact same way. And that's right. just one thing to keep in mind. So the next one, we've got the shot map from Columbus. And the thing that everybody is going to talk about from the game against Columbus, they only scored one. Columbus blocked a lot of shots, man. And the Rangers didn't really know what to do when, because Columbus, especially when the Rangers were chasing in that third period and they were trying to make up the deficit, Columbus was clogging the shooting lanes, was clogging the passing lanes, and the Rangers just couldn't get a forecheck. They could not, they weren't sustaining a cycle. They were settling to just fire the puck into someone's shin pads, and it's going the other way. We talk about this all the time with the defensemen, especially Truba, of knowing when it's time to shoot and when it's not time to shoot. And this was the first game so far this year, I would say, the Rangers. They were not able to play the style of hockey they like to play. It carried over. They got a lot of shots. They generated a lot at five on five, 37 shots is a reasonable amount of scoring chances, but nothing particularly dangerous. You're looking at the heat map here on the screen. I mean, everybody kind of has the picture of Miller making that break. Part of me wishes Key would have held that puck half a second longer to see if the goalie would have bit, and he probably would have had a tap in if the goalie moved. Trocek missing from close, Fox missing close. But you don't see Kreider close to the net there. You don't see Zabinijad close to the net there. You don't see Panarin close to the net there. And again, it's one game. It's October. This is Columbus we're talking about. I'm not particularly worried long scale, but you get into bad habits. You start worrying about things. And what? This is a tough week uh, coming off of that. They only played three games in six days. You have Colorado tomorrow. You have to go to the Islanders who – don't look good, but you know the Islanders will be up for that game because the Islanders, even when they were bad, before Barry Trotz got there, they always got up to play the Rangers. No matter how bad, no matter how bad they were under Jack Capuano, the Islanders always got up to play the Rangers. That will not be easy. And then you have to go to Dallas, who looks pretty good so far, and you have to go to Arizona. So you're going to be on the road the entire weekend, and then you don't come back till the middle of next week. So this is a good. This is a good barometer, a good litmus test. And they're shorthanded. We all know they're shorthanded. They're not going to have Heedle for at least a week. That really sucks because he's been one of their best forwards so far this year. So they're going to have to figure out how to get something out of that third line. That game against Columbus was the first game of this season. And they had a handful of these last season as well of please shoot the puck just once. (laughs) Just please shoot the puck. They were they couldn't doing get anywhere. They really couldn't get where they, they couldn't get where had, they needed to shoot. They That's had the so many 
I'm going to I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass and then we're going to pass again and we're going to pass again. And we're going to pass again and then the puck's out of the zone. Oh, maybe should have shot that puck. They they had so many plays where it was like uh we're going to we're going to cross ice pass, we're going to cross seam pass once, but then we're going to go back. Are we going to go we're going to go to the point. We're going to pass again. We're going to pass again. And then eventually, once that shot finally comes, it either misses the net by eight feet or the puck is intercepted and it just get, goes out of the zone. Like that was, I understand the, the thought process of we're going to, we're going to pass up a good shot for a great shot, but there was, there was a few opportunities for the Rangers to just take a shot. And instead they tried to do the pretty play of, we're just going to keep passing until someone has a tap in for a sure goal, as opposed to, Hey, there's a lot of space here. There's a, there's a, there's a large crowd in front of the net. There's a lot of commotion going around. Let me just throw it on the net and see what happens. There was not a whole lot of that. And I understand a lot of the shots were blocked and Columbus did a good job of clogging the lane, but ultimately if you keep passing the puck, you're never going to score a goal. You have to, you have to throw it on net at some point, and the Rangers missed, I thought, at least three or four quality chances to to just put the puck on net. And instead of that, they just kept passing it. Eventually, none of the pucks went in. That's also a byproduct of Columbus blocking shots really well. Is forcing a hesitation of should I shoot this? Should I shoot this? And panicking and saying, okay, if I pass it, I don't have to worry about shooting it. So that goes to show you the effect that effectively blocking shots can have on a good team because let, let's be frank columbus i think they're over under for points was like 80 this is not a playoff team they came to play they took care of business their backup goalie was pretty good the rangers didn't get any good bounces and when you don't get any good bounces and you're pressing you're gonna lose it it, it snowballed on them really quick just like the winnipeg game where they that game was close going into the third period and it snowballed on them because they were chasing, because they were pressing, because they were overpassing. All of those little things, they add up. Nothing happens for one reason. Everything, especially over the course of a game, you've got things that are happening right at this moment, the things that have happened five minutes before, and you have the things that have happened a whole period before. All of that stuff starts building up slowly, and it starts rolling downhill, and the effect of the game happens. That's why not all these stats are the same, because the situation, the context of the situation changes what each that is worth. I mean, yeah, you can say a shot on goal is worth this much expected goals, but it's different if that's in a tie game, if you have a one goal lead, if you have a two goal lead. The Rangers were trying to score the three goal goal when they were down in that game. And I don't know if you know this, but there are no three goal goals. There are not, a, there's not a three pointer in the NHL. The Rangers overcomplicated it. Columbus did a good job and it sucks. I mean, we're, we're lamenting a little bit on losses in October here, but we're, we're moving on. Talk about the week ahead. Colorado's a tall order, man. Even mm. without Landeskog, that's a good hockey team. Colorado only just, you know, won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. So. <laughs> Ever heard of it? Can't be, can't be. How hard could it possibly be to win a game against them? The thing about them is that their goaltending situation got from okay to pretty bad over the course of this offseason. Darcy Kemper was a pretty decent goalie for them. And now yeah. he's in Washington and they're and they're essentially they're rocking with two backup goalies this season. Because Paolo Franco's was the backup goalie last season. Alex Georgiev was the backup goalie in New York last season. They are essentially just rocking a two A and a two B, which is a very unique situation for a Stanley Cup champion team to be in right now. Can Franco's or can Georgiev become a 1A or a 1B, I I guess. I guess I could also go and buy a lottery ticket and win the lottery. Like, like these, any of these things could happen, but will they? Probably not. Like, Franzos and Georgiev are, have been struggling, and they haven't looked phenomenal to this point, I will say. So, are they a beatable team? Yeah, if you can get the shots up. For Colorado, they are such a great team in all other aspects of the game that finding ways to to get pucks on the net, that's going to be the hardest part for, for the Rangers. If they can get Colorado to take some dumb penalties and punish them that way, that might be the best way for them to attack the Colorado Avalanche because at 5-on-5, five five, Rangers have been playing a lot better at 5-on-5 five five than they did last season. That is for sure, at least through six games, but for the abs, I mean, they, they are still as dominant as ever, at least, you know, forward wise and defense wise, 
they're going to have to get Colorado to, to take a couple of dumb penalties, I think, for them to to maybe skate away with a win here. I think it's going to be a close game. Stricken, I would imagine, is going to play tomorrow. And for Ooh, That reminds me of something we can talk about real quick. Cool. How do you feel about starting Halak on Sunday, knowing you have off on Monday? Because I, I, I that feels weird to me. Like, they were yeah. off Saturday and Friday. That, and you know you have a back-to-back, so you're imagining Halak's going to get in either tomorrow or Wednesday. Any thoughts on that? Well, the the thing about that is, Shesurgan definitely wouldn't have given up those two goals that yes. just that just kind of leaked Sunk through Halak. I don't know what those goals were. They were uh, it's impossible to defend those two shots from going into the net because they should never at the NHL level be going into the net. And Yaro Halak knows that he his his. Uh, he said it himself. His his presser after the game was very like you know essentially that this, that that game was on him and, and he up. has to do better. Yeah, that that that's what that's what his attitude was, and I commend that. That's that's the right attitude to have. Hopefully, it doesn't happen again because that's those those two goals were, were real real embarrassing. But I don't get that decision, especially when you have so many games here coming up. You know, Shostak is not going to be able to play in all of them. I, I understand that. The, the Sharks played, I guess, decently well on Thursday and they won the game, but you got Friday off, you got Saturday off. It's not like, I mean, it, it, the game... And they have today Col- off. The, the, the game against Columbus wasn't at noon. It wasn't at yeah. one. It was at five. I mean, I know I get that that's a weirder time to play a hockey game, and especially goalies are very superstitious about that kind of thing, but you have two and a half days off. I don't... I, and, and also, they have today off. And also, they're not traveling. They're still at home against Colorado. Yeah. I, 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 I get it. We're we're maybe micromanaging this a little bit too much. But from a from a coach's decision, I kind of just don't get it. Unless Shosturkin was vocal about not playing in this game, or maybe maybe he tweaked something. I don't. I mean, the the Rangers didn't say anything about that. If if that happened, or if Shisterkin, you know, was was said, "Hey, Halak, you take this game. I'll take Tuesday or whatever," which I don't foresee him doing because Shisterkin just loves playing at all times. But and and I know the Rangers like have to basically stop him from playing. But from a, a coaching's perspective, I. Yeah, I think that's a, a weird decision. I'm sure Gallant has his reasons for him, and I would love to hear what they are. But I don't really get it. I'll be honest. So I was reading something about this today. I, th- I forget who wrote it for the Daily Faceoff, but the logic is that Columbus had played on Saturday and you're starting your backup goalie against a team on a back-to-back that you should be able to take better advantage of that and the workload probably won't be as more challenging. And I think it's a little bit of a galaxy brain thing where you're overthinking it. Like you already have one of the best goalies in the league. Take this, give yourself the best possible chance to win, especially knowing you're going to have a back-to-back Tuesday and Wednesday against teams that are going to give you a hard time. To add on to that as well, Shesterkin hasn't had the greatest of starts. He's looked okay, but he hasn't looked great. So shouldn't you play him against a bad team? So he can stop 39 or 40 or whatever. I, I'm just creating numbers out of my head, but like, shouldn't shouldn't you have him play against these bad teams so that he can just show up, be Shisterik and be the, the great goalie that he is and then just have his confidence soar up and now he's going to be more confident going into Colorado and all these things. Like It's a snowball effect, especially with goalies early on in the season where it, once they get into a rhythm, that's when you really start to see goalies shine at their brightest and with Columbus they're a team that played like you said they played Saturday the the game against Sunday wasn't even a 24-hour waiting period that's the time where you should play you should play Shesterkin the Rangers didn't play on Saturday they had the day off like they didn't play they didn't play a game so Shesterkin should have played like this is they're they're playing 5d chess when really everybody else is just like we're we're, we're, goalie we're, go we're we're yeah we're we're playing like we're playing go fish over here. I don't know why. I don't know who you're playing five D chess against, but there's no opponent. We're all playing go fish. I what you doing? What you like? It's like what you doing over there? I don't. We're we're out we're out here like having a good time around, around the table, and you're like playing chess with nobody. So I I don't know. Okay. Uh, the weekend. 
they didn't play well in Dallas last year. That was like the one bad game Shesterkin had in the entire second half last year. He gave up like six. And then Arizona Sunday, I know there's going to be a large contingent of Ranger fans down there who are specifically going for the weekend for that trip because it's kind of a life experience. But it's one of the games that Sam was telling us about that MSG is not going to be there in person. They're calling the game remotely. So anything else you want to get in here before we do three stars of the week and call it a yeah? They better beat Phoenix. I mean, we're 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 a ways away. Well, like they <laughs> better the beat they, they better beat Arizona. Andrew, they they Arizona. better do it because if they don't, then we might. There has to be like a red alert button that we that we press at some point in this podcast. And if they don't lose, turn me into a radio DJ. Don't make it, me hit the reggaeton horn. If they lose against the Coyotes, we might have to start pressing the buttons because those that that might be an unmitigated unmitigated disaster. Uh, for the stars, I mean, listen, uh, Scott That's Wedgwood, friend friend of the program uh I, I hope he gets to start against the rangers like that would be cool uh from a selfish perspective i hope the rangers still win the game uh maybe he got engaged over the weekend actually he actually. did like he said, did yeah. he did yeah yeah congrats to him uh hopefully if i mean this is like at, at you know nhl 23 nhl 23 like you know news story the sky wedge would start for the stars but the rangers win one nothing like that that would be a great uh, that'd be a great storyline for my needs, not for anybody else's. But selfishly for me, that'd be great. Uh, I, the Rangers have to start getting wins. Like it's is again, this is October. It's still early. There's still plenty of games left to be played. But the thing about this this season is that it's 82 games, and that these games do not get easier. The more you start winning now, as we mentioned, the easier it becomes to play down the line when there's less on the line and there's more security. Amongst what, uh, amongst your contingency, if you are securely in a playoff spot with ten games left to play, ah, Zabenajad, Cryer, Shesterkin, ah, you take the game off, you know, get 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 a little bit of of wind under you, like let's get ready for the playoffs, all these things. If you are battling with four or five games left to play because you lost against San Jose and you lost against Columbus, it's going to be a lot harder for you to to do that and it's not like load management per se, but it's just like, Hey, if you're, if everybody's already, if we're already secure, there's kind of not a whole lot of reason for everybody to play 25 minutes yeah. in a game in April. It doesn't really mean anything, but these were two really good opportunities for the Rangers to stockpile some points. And they really went over two. They almost went over three because yeah. Anaheim like made it a lot closer than they should have. And this has kind of been a rocky week for them, but we'll see how they bounce back because Colorado obviously is not an easy team. So maybe maybe they show up against a good team. So who knows? Okay, so two last things before we do our three stars of the week, which are very funny this week, I must say. We both did a very good job on our three stars of the week. So number one, losing to Columbus just sucks because they're also in your division. I, I don't imagine the Rangers are going to be in a race with the Blue Jackets to get into the playoffs, but God forbid that becomes an issue down the line. That That would be very embarrassing. And then number two, we got to get something out of this third line. I mean, God bless him. I, I understand why Barkley Goodrow is here, but he's the 3C with Vitaly Krasov and Jimmy Vesey. That, that's kind of a mass unit of a third line. It's not very inspiring. Uh, it kind of sucks that we're not going to get to see Krasov actually get the playoff of anybody who can kind of complement his game from a skill perspective. He's very dependent on having the puck on his stick to be able to make plays, and that's going to be challenging when he's on the line with two guys who – aren't very good at playing the puck. Uh, VZ's been pretty good defensively so far, but nothing in terms of chance creation. And Goodrow, he's here to kill penalties, to wear an A on his sweater, to block shots. He's not much of a finisher. I, I know there were a lot of people banging the desk last year. He set a career high in goals. Well, yeah, he'd never played in the top six or with our, <laughs> a guy of Artemi Panarin's skill set before. I could get six goals in the NHL on a line with Artemi Panarin here. Standing in front of the net, sure. they would hit me by accident. Okay, let, let, let's get a grip here. Let, let's let's know how to use statistics within a, a reasonable context. <laughs> we also we also speaking of crowds, so I've got a DM from uh, Post Notes earlier today, and he asked a question. I want your response first. He asked the question of how worried are we that Kravtsov needing to tread water on a defense heavy third line is going to cost him. He doesn't have Phil to cook with because he's been he's been uh, diagnosed with a concussion. He's going to miss a, a probable concussion. I would. That's what the I feel like the Brooks uh, tweet kind of didn't specifically say, but kind of 
you know, read, read between the lines that it's probably a concussion. So he's going to miss at least the next four games. So he says that he doesn't have Philip Cook with, and the way VZ and Goodrow help the team are not the way he does. I can see a world where him not fitting in on that line costs him in the eyes of the coaches. Do you agree with that? Yes, but they also don't have a choice at the moment until they call up another forward at the very least. I imagine that's going to happen, but you're asking Gallant to pick between Rydall playing center and then Goudreau's going to play wing on the third line to take Kraftsov out. I mean, Gallant's been very weird with how he's chosen to deploy that extra forward group where like Dryden Hunt was here and now he's in the AHL. Oh, we're going to see we're going to see Rangers legend Dryden Hunt tomorrow. Yeah, I, there you go. I, yeah, I, for, I yeah. forgot about that. That's right. Dryden Hunt yeah. now a part the of Dryden the Dryden Hunt and the Alexander Georgiev revenge game. That's so right. We're just gonna make sure. revenge game after. This is what four straight revenge games. That was, yes. <laughs> this, is, this is a lot. It's a lot of storylines. This is yes. uh, yeah, but no soap operas, just hockey. That's right. That's right. Of course. But for for the Rangers, like you said, I think I agree with you. The Rangers don't have a choice right now. Yeah. They have to. They have to keep playing Kravtsov. He's and they need to get something out of him because yeah. even if yeah. they don't want him, they they need him playing in the NHL yeah. so that they can sell him to someone. Well, because it, even if they don't like him he's an expiring contract after this year he only came back on a one-year deal so if they want to flip him even if it's just for you know a lottery ticket prospect he needs to be playing you can't sell a guy who's not playing it's difficult for for everybody involved right now because the rangers are stuck they have to play him as you mentioned they have to put him on the ice to show other teams what he can do for kravsov he's been dumpstered in terms of who he's playing with over the course of these few over the course of the first six games because in the first game he got injured and now he just got back to the lineup and his center's out so he's having a really difficult go of playing time slash who he's playing with and i feel like that context is going to get lost because it's Kravtsov amongst a certain subsection of the Rangers community of we don't gotta give them oxygen. We don't. Yeah, give them oxygen. yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I feel like it might get lost in terms of the media shuffle as well because you yeah. like, you have Ooh, to understand. Reminded me of something I want to talk about. You have to understand that Vitaly Kravtsov. Yeah, he he hasn't really shown much so far in these two games that he's played. Okay, well, in the first game he got. He got dumpstered by Victor Hedman early on. He he missed some time. That was like three minutes into the yeah. game, too. And then and then two minutes in, I think it was like really early into the Columbus game. Ninety seconds into Heedle, the game. Hedl got an, an errand elbow to the to the head. I mean, it, I want to make this like this what was not a dirty hit like at it all. It looked like an accident. It, it was a total accident. Yeah. It, it did not look like it was meant to hit anything. It wasn't meant it, it didn't look like it was nefarious in any way, shape, or form. It was an an, an unfortunate hit that I just got worse uh unfor- you know just by accident i don't think it was anything i don't think there's anything to read into about that hit it was just a collision that went wrong um but for kravsov he just got back he's he, now he has to get back into the rhythm of playing after not being able to get into the rhythm game one and now his only line mate that could do anything offensively isn't there all right go right ahead and now you score 10 goals in in two games vitaly kravsov go right ahead Okay, so the point you reminded me of, uh, Thursday night during the the game, they, the Rangers did the, thank you for your service, David Quinn. We, we really appreciate what you did here. And I saw multiple people who cover the team tweet, the crowd booed David Quinn. I don't think he deserved it. You're telling me these are the same people who are supposed to be objectively covering the team? You don't understand why the fans are upset that the team is acknowledging a former coach? They fired him. It's not like he got a better job and chose to leave. It's not like he said, oh, this is a light once in a lifetime. I got to go coach the San Jose Sharks <laughs> after sitting out for a year. Yeah. No, you told him he's bad. He's done. Why are you acknowledging him? The fans have a right to be mad. He was here for three years. The team was very uninspired and very bleh. The highlight of his tenure was losing in three games in the bubble as a seventh place team in the Metropolitan Division. Thanks, David, I guess. (laughs) Thanks for that. The argument from David Quinn supporters is that the Rangers were supposed to be bad throughout those years. The thing about 
how a team plays in the midst of a rebuild. Because when a coach accepts that responsibility, is like, okay, we, the, you're coming in as a head coach, and the team that you are about to coach, you know, is going to be bad. The problem with that is that the Rangers had so much drama behind the scenes. Every it seemed like every day they had something going on. The Rangers like had a circus in the locker room for a lot of the time period. They played atrocious hockey. Despite the like the roster was bad, but it was never as bad as they played on the yes. ice during his tenure. They played abysmally. They couldn't stop anything. They couldn't score anything either. It was a mess from start to finish. And now you get a video tribute because of that. Like, there's a difference it's between. So fake. That's the yeah, thing of too. course. It's I mean, they, they so do fake. it. They do it to do it. I understand that. And he was a, a former head coach of the New York Rangers, so that they have to make a video about him. But there's 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 one way of rebuilding where you play be you play de- at least like not as bad because of who you have out there. And then there's the other side of it where you you have like not the worst lineup in the NHL, not a great lineup either during the rebuild, but not the worst lineup in the NHL. And you play like you're the worst team in the NHL. And that's really what the Rangers look like throughout his tenure. So, yeah, I mean, this was his Super Bowl. David Quinn won his Super Bowl in October, play, getting his first win as a Sharks head coach against a team that he used to coach. And they won in overtime. By the way, David Quinn, it was like mentioned very frequently that he essentially got the job because he went to college with the GM. So like, yeah. I, I don't like, I don't know. What well, what are we doing here? Maybe hired a coach that like is is good at coaching as opposed to somebody that went to your school. But that's I'm yeah, not a GM. Talking with my career. Yeah, I'm not a GM. What do I know? Um, the last thing on this before we do three stars. This would be like the social equivalent of like posting for your ex-girlfriend's birthday and telling them happy birthday on your Instagram, <laughs> even though you're not dating them anymore, just for the appearance of saying, I was so nice to this person so many years ago. Like, come on, man. Just, yeah. you can, there's a reason they did a, a single a still picture with a thank you as opposed to like, you know, a 15, 30 second video, but just, just being Fugazi for what, stupid like you <laughs> like you said yeah. appearances he was a coach of the new york rangers woo uh, he didn't do anything with it no all right speaking of david quinn it is time for three stars of the week and andrew and i both have david quinn in our three stars of the week i also have henrik lundquist suit from sunday night you look great. i keep i keep forgetting henrik is on the broad is on the pregame and the intermission because i put the rangers on my desktop i went to the bathroom i came back up it was on commercial i was looking at football and then i turned over i was like oh yeah that's right hank's on tv now and i don't know if i'll ever get used to that as opposed to just like him being on the team and then i have ranger fans for sitting through a game (laughs) at five o'clock on a sunday that's who margot robbie here is representing is the ranger fans who watch that instead of watching football i don't think the fans on sunday had a smile on their face though no, but at the very least, they could have been watching football instead of that drag against <laughs> Columbus. Like, if you're going to play a game at 5 o'clock on an NFL Sunday when the Jets and Giants are both playing – well, the Jets and Giants both – the Giants were playing at 4. They did end up winning, but football's on, people. you got to give us a reason to watch. Uh, only sickos like Andrew and I are choosing to watch a regular season game against Columbus in October <laughs> over football. There are not it's, normal people choosing to do no, that. No, no, no. It's interesting, too, because as as it's well documented on my Twitter, my my overall lifetime record when I'm at MSG is 28-2 and two all time when the Rangers are playing. Uh, I almost got a ticket to Thursday's game. I didn't end up going. And I almost got a ticket to Sunday, and I didn't end up going. So, uh, I'm, I mean, hey, if the Rangers want to win hockey games, just, just give me a ticket. I'll be there. I'm not saying it's... A causation thing, but have you ever? You rarely see a Rangers L and Andrew in the same place. That's all I'm saying. I was at the Rangers and Lightning game, game two. I think it was. Yeah, it was game two, and they won that game. So the Rangers are flawless. They. I was at uh, Caps Rangers 2015 game five when Kreider tied it with like a minute to go, and then McDonough, if I remember correctly, yeah. scored that scored that game winning goal, and the Rangers were down three to two in that series, and then they won that game. They won that series in seven. I was at that game. Five. I was at game two. I mean, listen, if the if the Rangers want to go oh it 82 and 0, my DMs are open. That's all I have to say. Like, come on. I am I'm not that difficult to reach out to. Just you know, selfishly, hey, what about my needs here? Think about my needs. Think about my schedule. 
come on. I, I, I could have been there, and the Rangers could have won both games, but Rangers didn't reach out, so they lost. All right, Andrew, the floor is yours. If this will load, <laughs> there we go. You picked the very funny three. You also featured David Quinn. Talk to me a little bit about your three stars of the week. So David Quinn won the Super Bowl in October. He beat his former team, and he also like said something about the C- about a CBS or something about yes. uh, about like not buying confidence pills in CBS. I don't know. It's a strange, strange thing to say uh, when you when you just won your first game as a head coach of a new hockey team. Uh, strange. Uh, Frank Pachano, Rangers legend, scored against the Rangers in uh, one of my beers. That's, I bet five dollars. Really? I paid five. That's I bet five dollars. Right. Frank Vitrano in right. time goal. I that hit midway through the second period. I got a free beer at the Yankee game. There you go. There you go. Thank yeah, you Frank Vitrano. Look, look at that. What a great guy he is. Former Rangers legend. Paying for next beer. I, what else can you ask for? Uh, he scored. He scored that goal. The Rangers ended up winning that game. But uh, we we had a, a conversation about it last week. That hey, how many goals will Ryan Strom score or miss the net on? How many goals are Frank Rochano score? You know all these things. And Frank Rochano was the one that hit. And the third one was John Davidson because he again revenge game for him. He left the Blue Jackets to come to New York only to get shown the door, and now he's back in Columbus. And the Blue Jackets absolutely destroyed the Rangers. So it's it's a great it's a it's it's a great week to be uh, uh, somebody that is looking for revenge against the Rangers because everybody everybody pretty much got what they what they came for except for Ryan Strom who is still out there somewhere missing empty nets. I am very curious to see how they play tomorrow. I'm very curious to see what they do against the Islanders. I, out of morbid curiosity, have been watching quite a bit of the Islanders, and they just don't know how to play offense. Like, the defense is still relatively fine, but in the offensive zone, there's just, like, nothing going on. It's Matt Barzell waiting for somebody to do something around him, and then Brock Nelson passing to Anders Lee in front of the net and hoping Lee tips it in. And that's really all the Islanders have for offense right now. Um, Their leading goal scorer before their last game against Florida was a defenseman to tell you how things were going on offense. So I'm very curious to see how that goes. That will just about do it for today's show. And also, Nick, remember, their their biggest off their their biggest offseason signing was Nikita Soshnikov. So can't forget that. That's right. Forget that. People do forget that. You can't forget it. People do, but you shouldn't. It's important. Not us, though. Andrew did. No, 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 no. Of course not. We would never. We would never. We're we're psychos on this on this show. We 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 remember absolutely nothing, but we do remember that Nikita Soshnikov is an Islanders legend. Okay. Make sure you are subscribed to the show wherever you choose to get your podcasts. We are available on all the major ones. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can leave reviews on Spotify now, which please leave a review there if you prefer Spotify. If you're on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the show's YouTube. Make sure you are liking the videos on YouTube. That helps other people find us. Like, comment, subscribe, guys. I'm not saying that, Andrew. (laughs) Until I'm I'm producing more than one YouTube video a week, I'm not saying that. That's right. Well, you got to, you got to do the, the thumbnail, right? You got to, you got to do the likes and like, you know, like, and subscribe and do uh, whatever, whatever else YouTubers tell you to do. Or you can just, you know, do what you want. Make sure you are following the show's channels on social media, doing a little bit more on there. Drop the lineup thing, drop the uh, making fun of us thing on Monday morning, which is pretty funny if you get a chance to check that out. It's Liberty Blue Pod on Instagram and Twitter. The show on Twitch is Liberty Blue Pod. On YouTube, it's Liberty Blue Podcast. That's Andrew Chelney. His Twitter is Chelney Andrew, C H E L N E Y. Mine is just Nick Zararis, Nick Z A R A R I S. We will see you guys next week. Hopefully the Rangers come back with at least two out of four. Uh, two out of four would be the goal. Well, fingers crossed. I get. I listen. They 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 didn't show up against San Jose. They didn't show up against Columbus. So for all we know, they could just show up to Colorado and dump an eight piece on them. Who who knows? The Rangers are a weird team so far. Rangers eight, Colorado three. You're here first. We'll see you guys <laughs> next week. Later. <laughs>